Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So this morning, Pastor Cliff is on vacation with his wife. Just the two of them. I, I don't um, remember him saying in his last few messages that the key to parenting is leaving your kids with grandma and not coming back. But um, they're only gone for a week, right? Although if Faith was my kid, I'm never mind. Um, now, <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking. This morning, I am going to continue on with strong families, and I am going to talk to you about parenting teens. I've only had two in my life. Well, actually, I've only had one because Sarah's almost 13. She's not there yet. And um, I am an expert. I've never made a mistake at it yet. Just don't ask my kids. Um, I have to tell you, I do not feel equipped to be speaking about this. I thought I knew way more about it until I became one. And that um, comes from working with students all the time, but when they become yours... I will say this, I do feel my kids get gypped, my own too. Steph and I have always felt that way because they don't have a youth pastor to go complain to about their dad. It's me. Um, And, you know, so hopefully they complain to other people because we know there are complaints. And, you know, that's the way life goes. Kids complain. Students complain. You complained about your parents, especially in your teenage years. Why? Because you thought you knew better than them. Well, this morning, what I'm going to talk to you about are just some key things that I think we need to all know. And some of you will remember a year ago, I spoke on this same thing. You might remember some of the things I say this morning. I'm going to be repeating some of them. I'm also going to be adding to some of the things I said a year ago. But I want you to get the most important things that I know of. And they um, are most important points that I know of. And I've got to cover them. And some of you may say, I already do that. I don't think any of us, including myself, are above improvement. We've got to keep improving. We've got to keep pushing. Because we all know how hard it is to raise students. To raise kids. To raise godly people. I will say this now, and you'll hear me probably say it again later, because I believe it wholeheartedly. My job as a youth pastor is that five years from now, my job, my goal, is five years from now, I pray that Chantel loves God. Fact of the matter is, eight out of ten, I've said this before, eight out of ten junior high and high school students who attend youth group, when they graduate high school, will leave the church and God altogether and won't return. I do not like that statistic. People say you can prove whatever you want with statistics. I know. I wish I couldn't. I don't like it. In fact, I hate it. My goal for me in my job, ministry, whatever you want to call it, is that these guys aren't a statistic. I'm hoping you as a parent, it's the same way. We can work together to get them to understand who God is and it's a relationship. And our goal later on in life, 
is that they can become a father, a mother, a good employee, uh, name it, that all falls under the God umbrella. That they can do it all in the name of God the way he wants them to. How does that start? With us doing it first and us teaching them how to do that. Here's the deal. I want to read you this, this quick story. I, I, you've probably heard it before. What scares me most is that Mark and I are reverting to our parents' style of parenting. Mark yells to get the kids' attention and sounds just like his dad. He hates it when I mention this and seems to avoid me, probably because I can get critical, but I need him. Jason and Jennifer need him. He's so distant most of the time and so wrapped up with work. There are days, weeks, I feel like giving up and calling it quits. I just thought we'd have it together by now. I'm so disappointed with our life. Becky found herself in an odd predicament. She had just spelled out her life to a complete stranger. Usually Becky was pretty guarded with her feelings, especially when it came to a problem at home. But Judas seemed almost like an angel sent just for her. There she was, sitting alone at a Starbucks as if waiting for Becky. Judith was dressed nice enough and appeared quite a bit older than Becky. Their conversation had started with normal small talk, but quickly moved to deeper things. Judith was a wonderful listener, and it was clear she understood what Becky was going through. Becky, I have one word for you, as Judith paused. Perhaps for emphasis, Becky leaned in, drawing out each syllable Judith announced. Perseverance. I try, I really do, but it just gets harder and harder. Sound familiar? I know it can seem that way, but don't give up. Don't bail out, Judah said firmly. There are answers for those who truly seek them. Indeed, God's promise to you is found in an old proverb. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 22.6. The important thing is, don't attempt the road ahead without God's help. He will show you the way and give you strength as you persevere. A wave of comfort flowed over Becky as she eagerly asked her new friend if they could meet again. Becky thought her response was strange. Oh, we will be together again. There are many lessons to learn. Interesting enough, I was watching, um, I went to Nampa this weekend with students for Exploring and You going over and visiting the college. And in our house, we watch Blue Bloods religiously. It's on CBS, great show, you'll love it. But, We watch it, it's on Friday night at 10, and since my wife can't make it past 9.15, we watch it Saturday evening, we record it. And, what? Um, Last night we were watching it when I got home. And it was interesting. One of the guys who works for the chief in the main office came and asked the chief of the New York City Police Department if he could get his nephew out of jail because his nephew had taken an Oxycontin, he was addicted to it, and he wanted to get him out of jail. Now, for those who don't want to show the police chief, his kids are cops. They do Sunday dinner every week, the entire family. It, they're full-grown. It's, his kids all turned out great. They wound up having a conversation because the police chief said, this isn't helping him. And the assistant said, I raised him. Don't judge me because your family's perfect. Hmm. That, even though these guys are friends, that's completely different than what I just read you. We, everybody needs somebody who has gone through it 
to come back and assist them. Assist them. That means you prime timers who are mature. My wife leaned over and said, we'll never be prime timers because we're not mature. You prime timers who are mature, your job, if I understand this correctly, is to find people who need help. You've been through it. But Aaron, I, didn't, I, I wasn't good at it. I don't care. They can learn from you. By the way, parents of students, you know what your job is? Humble yourself. Don't take it as judging and find somebody who's gone through it to help you. As Todd said when we were back praying, it takes a village to raise a kid. Believe it wholeheartedly. But it also takes humility to say, I'm screwing up and I need your help. Can you help me? Just tell me what happened with you. How did you make it through? How did you... Your kids turned out okay. How did this happen? And you may find something out. You may hear somebody say, no, I got a son that you don't know about who when he graduated high school, he turned his back on God and never went back. And I made some mistakes, but I can tell you, I don't have regrets because I did everything I can with a heart of love trying to get him to know who Christ is. And he made his own choice but I did everything I could. Isn't that what we want to be able to say as parents? Are we doing everything we can if we're not asking for help when we need it? Sometimes it's okay to say, I need you to guide me somehow. And a lot of times we say this, God, guide me, show me what to do. And we get a phone call later on from someone that says, how's it going? Great! That's not having humility. It's okay to go, horrible. Spend all morning screaming at my kids. I need help. Got any ideas? Which usually will be followed up with them giving you ideas and you going, but they! And that's where you can hear the voice say, they nothing, we're talking about you. We can be brought along. So we can train our children in the way they should go. A few things, though, on top of that, because I'll come back to that in a little bit, but a few things that I want to cover. Number one, it's a mistake that everybody makes. Not spending time with your kid, with your teen, with fill in the blank. We'll all make this mistake. Listen to what this says. A lot of parents make the mistake of not spending time with their teens because they assume their teens don't want to spend time with them. For the record, very, 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 very seldom is your student going to come up and go, can I spend the day with you? Probably not. While that's true in some contexts, teens still want and need chunks of one-on-one time with parents. Despite the fact that teens are transitioning into more independence and often carry a I don't need, once you around attitude, they are longing for the securing and grounding that comes from consistent quality time. 
going for walks, grabbing a coffee in order to catch up, going to the movies together, etc. All simple investments that teens secretly want and look forward to when you don't carve out time to spend with your teen. You're communicating that you're not interested in them, and they internalize that message consciously or unconsciously. They want and need the security of knowing that even when it feels as though they have no friends, which for the record, that time will come, or there's a problem with a teacher at school, or fill in the blank, they want to know that you're there. They will just get mad, and, or, or they want to make sure that when they come to you, they can talk to you. You don't know how many times I hear when I say, have you talked to your parents? No, they'll just punish me. You know how many times I ever hear, my parent will listen to me? I don't remember the last time. Part of that is a student being a student. I get that. I completely understand that. However, when the first thought is, I don't want to tell them because I'm going to get punished and then it's going to be a big blow up and we're going to argue and I'm going to get grounded and we won't talk for a week. If that's the focus, I think we're missing some some things there. Our students need to know that we love them and want to be with them. In our, in our house, the Middleton house, we, uh, and I believe it's okay, I will continue to do it, we have what we call the triple F. Anybody know what it is? Forced family fun. And we will do it. Dad, can I go? No, it's triple F night. Ugh. But do you know what triple F winds up? And yes, every man, you are going to feel sorry for me when I say this. Every triple F winds up with the music playing, three females dancing and singing as loud as they can. Even if it's in the middle of the card game and it's their turn, which one of us says, can you please take your turn and quit singing right now? Calmly, like, because that's how I do things. I don't yell. (laughs) Come on. It's not like, It's not forced for all of us. No. Forced family fun. We have yet to have a forced family fun night, no matter what it is, going out to dinner, going to the movie, playing cards at our house. We have yet to have a forced family fun night in 15 years that they were mad at us at the end of the night for having it. Do I have to? Yes. Disneyland, this last November. Kelsey, can I go run around with... Nope. We're triple F in it for the next two hours. They love it. They wind up having a good time. Why? Because they want to know that we like them. They want to know that we love them. They want to know that we want to be around them. Going out on dates with my daughters. We have to fit it in. Do you want to go out on a date? Where is the answer? Not? Yes. Where? Sharps for lunch. Yep, pick me up tomorrow. Now, if I'd say my office for lunch, it would be, yeah, but can we go to Sharps? You know, but never will they say no. Why? Because they want to spend time with their parents. But it's hard as a student to go up and go, will you spend time with me? Because you know what's really going through a teen's mind? You should want to spend time with me. Why do I have to come to you? And I think we can cut them some slack because they're not an adult. They're not there. 
Why should they be? Even though the world expects them to be adults, with, I'm speaking from my heart here, with the amount of divorce, with the amount of running out on your kids, with the expectations we have put on them, they're not adults. Can we please stop expecting them to act like it? I'm not saying there shouldn't be expectations, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But we can't expect our students to come to us and say, can you and I go do something all day tomorrow? When they shouldn't be the ones that think about it. They will eventually if we do our time spending it with them. And right along with that comes listening to them. Do you understand that when you spend time with your kid, you're going to wind up listening to them? And can you imagine? I hear all the time, to make a good marriage, at the end of the day, you sit down or you climb in bed, you take 10 minutes, whatever, and you say, how was your day? And there's no TV, there's nothing, you just listen. And every marriage counselor will tell you, do you know how much you can learn about your spouse if you just do that? you know how much you can learn about your kid if you try? Sit them down. Sit. I'll tell you right now. Sarah, you don't even have to get out the full sentence. Ha, is all I have to say. And what I call diarrhea of the mouth starts. <laughs> I woke up this morning at 7, and then I had breakfast, and then I went to school. And when I was at school, we, she'll give you play-by-play all day long, always has. Kelsey, how was your day? How was your day? Fine. How was your day? She will eventually tell us. But we have to listen, because you know what? Kelsey's going to start telling you something at 3. She'll finish at 9 o'clock when she goes to bed, giving you bits and pieces every half hour, 45 minutes. Today in class, she'll tell you something. And then an hour later, there's something. I can talk about them because they're not here. But an hour later, she'll mention something else. I get the same amount of information. One of them is in 45 seconds, and one of them is in four hours. But you have to listen. And I will be honest. It's a whole lot easier to listen to Sarah for me than it is Kelsey Because of that. But I've learned that. When she talks, mute the TV and listen. Because she's telling you something that happened to her during the day that's important to her. And I have to, if I do that, I learn so much more about them. Because every once in a while, you find out why something happened in class. She'll tell you a story, and you can make the connection. Oh, and then you bring it up, and now you've got a whole brand new conversation to have because you're learning who your kids are and where they're coming from and what they're going through. Listening is a very, very hard thing to do because we don't think about it as, I need to sit down and listen to my kids. Or if I'm spending time with them, I need to listen to what they're saying. I made no secret about it. You guys know, and I'm not talking about sports here. But we did have season tickets for the Ducks game when I was growing up. It was two-hour drive down and two-hour drive back. You know how much conversation my dad could have with me when I didn't even know what was happening in four hours of vehicle time? That would be why those games are so important to me. 
And that would be why my daughters and I go to Pullman to any game we can against Oregon. That would be why I go hunting with my daughters. You think the whole idea is seriously to go kill a deer? No, it's to sit up next to a log in the woods and have her go, Daddy! What? Today? Yes! As a hunter, I think, seriously? <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I'll do a real quick, quick story and I'll move on. This year when we were hunting, we had an opportunity for her to shoot a deer. I don't know why. It never happened before. My gun misfired when she pulled the trigger. We got in the vehicle. I was fuming. We got in the vehicle. She knew I wasn't mad at her. But we got in the vehicle, and we were halfway home, and I just, oh, I can't believe. My 12-year-old looks up at me and says, look at it this way. If I would have shot one today, I couldn't have been able to hunt with you for the next two months. Be quiet. (laughs) It made too much sense. They listen to us. Maybe it's time we start listening to them. We find out so much more where they're at. Matthew 18, 12 through 14. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not, so is it, is it not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of you shall lose these little ones? and they shall perish. You want to see what happens when we don't listen to our students? I'm going to show you a video. Please take the situation that's going on in context. Understand the situation could be any situation, but if we don't listen, this is how it turns out. I think. Hey, Deb. What are you doing? Can we talk? Sure. Yeah. You bet, Emma. What's on your mind? Can we talk about sex? No. No. No, we can't. No. No. Dad. No. Why aren't you asking your mother about these questions? You two still aren't talking? Okay, that's even more reason why we can't talk about this right now, okay? I mean, you know what? We can talk about rainbows and unicorns and puppy dogs. We could even talk about a puppy on the back of a unicorn sliding down a rainbow, but we can't talk about the sex. Dad, I'm being serious. And I'm being serious when I ask you, why are you being so serious when you're so young? I'm 17. Here's the deal. We can talk about this like when you're 30. Five and a half. When you're 35 and a half, we'll talk about this there. Ted, come on. Okay. Uh, what, what, what's brought all this on? Is it about that boy that you've been seeing? What's his name? Jimmy, Andy? David. David. Tell me about Andy, David. Go. David. David. He's... He's... He's really great. Hmm. And you know why he's really great? Because he cares about me? No, because he wants something from you. 
Okay? All right? I know these things. I was a boy once, and they're all scum. He's different. No, he's not different. They're all the same. Here's the M.O. First, he's going to ask you on a date, then he's going to want to kiss you, and then he's going to want the sex. Let's stop. No, we will stop. I think that's a great idea, because I don't even know how we got in this conversation. Let's just stop. That's a great idea. For once, I need you to listen to me. I do listen to you. I pay attention to you. I provide for you. I'm there for you all the time. You're so not involved in anything I do. Well, you're springing stuff on me all the time, Emma. It's always like this. You're supposed to want to listen to me. You're my dad. And I will listen to you when your mother gets home. Dad, I'm pregnant. What did you just say? I'm pregnant. Are you sure? Yeah, I think I would know. Emma, how could you hurt me like... I didn't mean that. Why? Why did this happen? I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough or skinny enough to be anybody extraordinary. For one night, I just wanted to feel special. You were never ordinary. You were never ordinary. Are you treating your kids as ordinary? Because I tell you what, it's the little things you learn that changes everything. And let's look at that situation. And I'm going to take a side note and take a liberty here. If we think because our students are going to church, they're not dealing with sex, our heads are stuck in the sand. I would love to stand up here and tell you that my kids are never going to have the issue. They will. Why? Because it's life. And it's true. We as adults leave our church building and we go to work and we see life and it's a struggle. These students go to high school, go to junior high, and everything you're running into, they are as well. Sometimes we need to listen to them and understand where they're really at. Which leads into the next deal. Next point, next topic. Permissive parenting. Permissive parenting. Whatever. It's not just for teens anymore. The devil may care. Ambivalence that want to find, wants to find the teenage subculture culture has now taken root as parents shrug their shoulders, ask, what can you do? And let their teens figure things out for themselves. I think permissive parenting, i.e. providing little direction, limits, and consequences, is on the rise because many parents don't know how to dialogue with or discipline their children. Maybe parents don't have any limits or boundaries within their own life, so they don't know how to communicate the value of these to their teen. Maybe it's because they don't want to or because their own self-esteem is too tied up in their child's perception of them and they couldn't handle having their teen get angry at them for actually trying to parent. 
Whatever the reason, it is time that we as parents figure out what is fueling it so we can do what is best for our student. If we are choosing to be a permissive parent, then we are avoiding our God-given responsibility to provide guidance, nurture, limits, discipline, and consequences to our teen, all of which actually will help our teen flourish long-term. Proverbs 19.18, discipline your son for that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Psalms 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. I am not telling you to stand over your kid and harp on them. I'm not telling you to remind them daily. I am not telling you to make them feel that the only thing you want is them to be a robot underneath your finger. But I will say this. Five years from now is when I want my kids following my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want my kids, my two daughters, understanding what a godly woman would be. I want your son and your daughter, when they leave your house, to say, I am not leaving God. With that comes boundaries. Because remember, they're kids. They don't know yet. Well, yes, they do. They tell me they do all the time. I understand that. But I want you to listen to this. Last Sunday morning, in junior high Sunday school, I taught it. I have done this, I don't know how many times throughout my career. Um, I did it with senior hires a year ago here and I did it with junior hires last Sunday. I take a dry erase board, I set it up, and I tell them, students don't, junior hires don't worry, I'm not gonna divulge any information. I tell them, after I write parent on the top of the board, give me everything you don't like about your parents that will not leave this room. They unleash. At first they're, they're kinda, well, what do you mean? And we go, I said, that's it? Well, no, it's, and they, the list goes on. Then I go over to the other side of the board and I write, like, give me everything you like. And we go through the list. It's always way shorter than the, the dislike. Normal. And then we write in the middle of the board, honor thy father and mother. And I say, with this this so long and this one so short, how do you do that? And we talk about it. But then we went back to the dislike list. And I said, now, I want you to dream for a second with me. You are a parent of a child. We get them in that mode. Now we're going to go to this list and we're going to go through it. I have a question for you. Will you allow your child to I have yet, other than there's only been one time, I had one that a girl said in the Sunday school class, my parents won't let me read my Bible at home, non-Christian parents. In 19 years of youth ministry, that is the only thing that has ever remained on the board that they would change for their kid. They know. You know what that tells me? I've never said this to them, but you know what it tells me? They want 
discipline. They want guidance. And if you walk up to them and say, is this what you want? No. Listening to them, watching them, and putting themselves in your shoes, it all changes. They don't want you to say, whatever, I'm done arguing about it, go for it. They want you to care about them enough that says, you may not like what I'm doing now, but five years ago you will, or five years from now you will, and you'll understand it. Being a permissive parent does nothing but damage them. Last one. Expecting your teen to have a devotion to God that you are not cultivating within yourself. Pastor Cliff's talked about it. He's talked about how we need to be disciples ourselves, how we need to be um, working ourselves or um, growing ourselves in God in order to, to disciple our kids, in order to allow them to see it. You do not know how important it is for you to be discipling yourself, for you to have the older person who can disciple you and teach you through the teaching or the parenting process. You don't understand how important it is for you to have your daily devotional life. I know a youth pastor that he was hired, got to the church, and a guy came up to him and said, I am so glad you're here. I'm having troubles with my boy, and he really needs to be discipled. I am going to pay you extra so you can have a one-on-one meeting time with him each week so you can disciple him. The youth pastor said, got a better idea. Keep your money, and I'll meet with you one-on-one each week, and we can talk about it. The dad went to the uh, senior pastor and tried to get him fired because he wasn't doing his job. And the senior pastor said, no, he's right. It's not the boy who's going to change until the dad changes. You guys heard Pastor Cliff last week say um, that they need to be coming to youth group. I am going to tell you this. I believe that wholeheartedly, but I also believe this. With Sunday school and Bible study, Two and a half hours we have with them as youth pastor and youth staff each week is not enough to disciple your kid. If that is all my daughter's got, if that is all I got when I was growing up, you really think I'd be standing where I am? Not on your life. But I had parents who were willing to say, we need help. I had parents who were willing to say, everything that I want to do in life, everything that I want to do right now, I'm putting on hold because I got kids who needs to know who God is. And I'm going to disciple myself, and then I will disciple them. you will understand that being discipled yourself is twofold. Number one, 
helps you. Number two, you will teach your kids how to be men and women of God. And I don't think there's one of you that would say, I don't want that. That's the ultimate goal. That is where it all comes down. Now, I told you I'd come back to it. But at the beginning, I talked about finding somebody who can mentor you through it, finding somebody who can encourage you, finding somebody who can say, it's okay. Yes, I know they slammed the door and said, I hate you, and they don't want to talk to you. This too will pass. Yeah, I understand that the fourth family fun um, is a hard concept, but it works. You need somebody who can push you along. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, comes right after Hebrews 11, which talks about all the great cloud of witnesses, all the people who have come on this earth, who have lived for God, who have been faithful to God, and now they've left this earth. That's Hebrews 11, talking about all those those major people in the Bible. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are surrounded by people who have done it. We are surrounded by people who have said, you know, I did everything I possibly could. I feel confident, even though my student chose to do something else. I wouldn't change what I did, because then I'd have a regret. Likewise, we're surrounded by people who say, yeah, My kids made it, and I'm so thankful they did. Let me tell you what I did. comes back to our responsibility. If you threw it, you have a responsibility in the family of God to train and mentor and help. If you're going through it, be humble. Have some humility. Go to someone and say, you've done it. I need help. And for the record, it might help if you go with someone who had girls. If you have girls, say, help me with this, and vice versa. I will tell you that I spent, well, I still do have guys praying that um, I understand the other three people in my house. I am the only guy. That makes it kind of hard sometimes. I spend a lot of time going like this. I have no idea what just happened. Um, However, I have guys who have girls who laugh at me and go, nah, glad to see you're right where we were. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Keep pushing. Make it through. I'll close with this. It's a lot like when you're climbing a mountain, and I might have shared this before. A friend of mine took his youth group to climb Mount St. Helens. They walked and they walked and they climbed and it was foggy and it was a gross rainy day and the girls were whining. A few of the boys were whining. 
They just wanted to turn around, and he kept saying, no, we're going. Finally, he caved. He said, okay, we'll turn around and go back. They walked all the way back down to the parking lot. We're talking, they'd walked miles. Get all the way down to the parking lot, and they saw some other people. And the people said, did you get up there? It was beautiful up there at the top, wasn't it? They said, no, we turned around. Where'd you turn around? He told them they were less than a mile away from the top of the mountain. They couldn't quite push through. And they missed the glory at the top. Don't quit parenting. Don't become a permissive parent. And by all means, let your kids know you like them. Spend time with them and listen to them. Even when they're just telling you a story about what happened during the day. Because you'll learn a lot. And they learn how much you love them. Father, I thank you for this morning and your, your words. Father, I pray that you will continue to, to work in us and through us. And Father, I just pray that you will help us as parents to not get discouraged Father, if that time comes that we are discouraged, help us to push through. Not to be the the one harping on our kids, not to be the one um, trying to do everything we can to make them do what's right. And that they look at us and say, I can't stand you. But that they look at us and say, I can't stand that you love me so much that you're willing to do this. Father, allow our students to see that we're human and we make mistakes but that doesn't change what the end goal is. Father, I thank you for the fact that you are the guide and that you will guide each step we make. Continue to do so. In thy name we pray, amen.